Matthew chapter number 11. It's a wonderful scripture that has been given to us in this passage in the Bible. These are words from Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter number 11. We'll read these three verses, verses 28 through 30, and then we'll open the service in a word of prayer. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We're going to be speaking today about the Lord's invitation. This is an invitation to all people. It's an invitation for salvation. It's also an invitation then for service. But we'll consider these truths this morning during this preaching service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we bring this portion of this service to you now. And Lord, we pray that you'd bless the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. Lord, I pray that you'd protect me as I preach. I pray, Lord, that I'd preach only those things that you'd have me to. And I pray that you would speak to the souls of men today. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You find the word rest not only in verse number 28, but also you find the word rest in verse number 29. There have been several times in my life when I have had the privilege of traveling overseas. Years ago in 2006, I traveled to the the country of Peru on a missions trip and a missions conference, and uh, I traveled up the mountains into uh, the Andes Mountains, the I believe we, we traveled almost to 14,000 square feet at the peak there in Peru. I've also traveled to Ecuador on another missions trip uh, later in my life. And then uh, in 2020, just before COVID hit, I found myself in Thailand and in Miramar and briefly in South Korea. Earlier in my life, I traveled to Canada and Mexico as well. But one of the unique things that I saw when I traveled to these other countries was heavy laden vehicles. Vehicles that had way too many things on them. On the next slide I posted some pictures of vehicles that were extremely heavy laden. Now I didn't see the donkey to the left that was lifted there. Uh, This was no doubt in India sometime in the past. But this one on the right I didn't see that quite but I did see some buses that were heavily overloaded with people. And I also saw motorcycles that had things that were built on the back and saw far too many people traveling on those vehicles. You know, this kind of a heavy laden picture reminds us sometimes of life. On the next slide, you see a man who is heavy laden, who's reading a book. He's laden about with things, and it kind of gives us the illustration about uh, how our lives can become so heavy laden and burdened down. My life used to be a lot simpler than it is now. My life now could be determined or or could be described as somewhat complicated. I deal with a lot of people and things. As I've gotten older, I've become more forgetful. Sometimes I call people by the wrong name. 
You know, uh, just this morning I saw Daniel and Michelle's child. Her name is Natalie. I called her Lily. I know what her name was. I know what her name is. But the wrong name came to my mind as I began to speak. Um, as As I've gotten older, it seems like my brain is sometimes on overload. So many facts, so many things. As a preacher, I start reading a lot of books. I don't finish all of them. I've got too many books off the shelf at one time. I meet new people every week. I, I, I need to try to remember who they are, if, if they're married, if they're unmarried, uh, if they have a family and children, and sometimes my life can be described as being heavy laden or burdened. Throughout life, we see on the next slide a picture of a young lady who just seems like she's overwhelmed, and that describes many people today. The burdens of life are so many. The burdens of life are heavy to carry. The Bible speaks of that here in the book of Matthew in the 11th chapter where Jesus said to come unto me, all ye that are are heavy laden, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Many people come to the service today and they're burdened. They're burdened about with cares. They're burdened about with bills. They're burdened about with a, a, a difficulty in life terrible health problems that have befallen them or or some uncertainty in the future. Many people are burdened with issues of families and, and things, uh, shattered dreams, things they wanted for their children, but it just didn't materialize at the time that they wanted, and they have a heavy burden that they carry. But Jesus gives us some hope today in Matthew chapter number 11. We're going to cover a few points here this morning, and on the next slide, we're basically going to show you the points that we're going to be uh, talking about today. First, we're going to talk about the people that the Lord was addressing, the plea, and then the promise. I consider, first of all, the people. The people that the Lord is speaking to. He said, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, this word all is one to consider. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, it says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is the first principle that people need to accept if they're ever going to be saved. The word is all. All have sinned. There's no one who is good enough on their own to get to heaven. You're going to need the help of someone else, and you needed the help of Jesus Christ. When the scripture says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned, it means all. But you might meet a person who would say, no, not me. I'm not a sinner. I hope that we wouldn't meet anyone here today who would be so proud as to say, I am not a sinner. But you are a sinner. For the scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But yet in this verse, in verse number 28, Jesus says, come unto me, All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, the Bible speaks of whosoever. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This means anyone without exception. If you find yourself heavy laden this morning, if you find yourself burdened about with your labors this morning, we have a word of good news to you today, and that you can come to the Lord. His message is to these people. The people the Lord was talking to was for those who were laboring and were heavy laden. I don't know if you could remember a time in your life when you felt like you were heavy laden. I first began to come into this knowledge when I was just a young man. 
my pastors who preached would preach about the sins of men and how they separated men, women, boys, and girls from the Lord. You know, I didn't have to teach my children to sin. They just did. All of my children, two, 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 one, all, every one of them, I had five kids, they all hated the word no, starting at the age of two. If you told them no, it displeased them. Sometimes they'd become very violent. <laughs> Yesterday I found myself at Sam's Club shopping. I was standing in line hoping to get one of those pieces of cheap pizza that they sell. How many of you ever bought pizza from Sam's Club? They're a good piece of pizza. It's less than $2. Miss <laughs> Provy's over here saying no, no. I don't eat the bread. I just eat the cheese off of them. I'll scrape the cheese off. But I was standing in line and there was a family in front of me. And I noticed that there was a worker in the front. And every time she took a step towards the front of the line, she was carrying the, uh, basically the thing that was separating the customers for that line from the rest of the customers. And I, I wondered what she was doing. Well, when she became the person standing in front of the cashier, he looked at the, the rest of us and he did like this. And everybody know what this means? You know, the slitting of the throat. You should never do that anymore because it's politically incorrect to do that. What he was saying was, we're not taking any more customers. At that very moment, a little boy about the age of nine began to scream violently at his dad. But dad, I wanted a piece of pizza. And the same thing that was calling from his heart was calling from mine. I wanted a piece of pizza. I didn't say it. I, I would have viewed the way he was talking to his father as definitely a violation of a command in the Scripture which says to honor thy father and thy mother. Now, perhaps no one had taught that little boy about respecting his parents, but he committed a sin there, screaming at his dad because he didn't get what he wanted. That's a sin. And when I heard preaching like that as a child, I recognized that I was a sinner too. I had things that took place in my life that identified me as a sinner. My thoughts were sinful. I knew, even though I had been raised in church and heard preaching and knew the songs from the Scripture, I opened a book uh, and I would sing the songs. And many times I would sing songs like Amazing Grace and I wouldn't even understand them. But one thing about the song Amazing Grace I understood as I grew older was that I was a wretch. I couldn't even save myself from myself. I was a sinner. You know, I, I be honest with you, when it talked about "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved," I didn't understand that as a child. Also, when I sang as a child, "'Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come,' I sang that as a child, but didn't have any understanding of what that song meant. But the Lord enlightened my heart to the truths of that song as I was older, and God gave me more experiences. But one thing was certain of my life, I was a sinner. <clears throat> By the time I got saved, I was carrying a heavy load. I felt guilt over my sin. You know, it's not a bad thing to feel guilt over your sin when you do something wrong. If you commit sins, if you do something that's against the Lord, it's not bad to sense that guilt and feel that guilt. In fact, it's that guilt that draws you to come to Christ. You know what happens when you get saved? God takes away all the guilt and He takes away the shame and He washes you with His own blood, and He makes you accepted into the Beloved. But I remember as I became aware of my own sin, how that I became very heavy laden. When I walked into church the day that I would get saved, I couldn't wait. I wanted the preacher to preach. 
I wanted to hear the message and really I was ready to get saved from the moment I walked in because I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was apart from God and I just wanted to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I got to that invitation time and I remember as I went down to the altar, I was very heavy laden. There are people in this life who are still heavy laden with the religious works that they accomplish. Many people bear long in prayer. Other people, they partake in the sacraments. They believe that if they just get baptized, they'll be saved. Can I say to you today, friend, that God and the Scriptures never declare that anyone truly gets saved when they get baptized in water. Baptism is a work of man's hands. And works don't save you. As a matter of fact, I was baptized five times and still lost. I was lost. I hadn't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. The waters of baptism do not save. Do not save. It is a sign of something that takes place inside of your heart. You know, if you, you get saved, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive Him as your Savior, do you realize that if you died before being baptized, you would go to heaven? Because baptism isn't a prerequisite to heaven. Say, Pastor, why would you say that? Well, don't you remember in Luke 23, where Jesus was hanging on a cross? There was a thief hanging next to him. And he looked over at Jesus and he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus didn't look over at him and reply to him, I'm sorry, sir. You're hanging on a cross now and you're about to die. There's no way for you to be baptized. Therefore, you won't go to heaven when you die. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is what is necessary. I've talked to a great many people in my life about, uh, hey, when did you get saved? And they say, well, I was baptized here. I was baptized there. It almost shows that in their economy and religion, they felt like being baptized would, was the prerequisite to being saved. And I'd like to say this to you today, friend. Being baptized is good as a step of a, an obedient Christian. Once you receive Christ by faith, you should be baptized, and you should do that after you get saved and not before. That's the scriptural order. It's believer's baptism. I know I'm getting into matters doctrinal this morning, but in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch was on his way back, and when they came to water, he actually asked the question, See, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And the preacher said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And only after he confessed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God was the chariot told to stop and they went down in the water and then he got baptized. The baptism was a sign of his, already his heart belief. I'd like to say to you today, friend, that many people are cumbered about with religious requirements. Some people labor long in prayer. They give money. They deny themselves. Some people go to church every day of the week in the morning to pray, and they believe that praying certain prayers will add to the, uh, will will release them from some place called purgatory afterwards, or, or, and many, and there's other religions too where people will, will brutalize themselves and beat themselves in order to somehow curry favor with God. But I can say to you today, friend, that's not how you get close to God. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are labor, that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, and I will give you rest. I truly believe that in verse number 28, this is a salvation verse. The salvation verse said to come. I remember this was something that came through my heart when I was a young man. I needed to come to the Lord. You need to come to the Lord. 
If you've never come to the Lord, then you have not responded to His message to come. If you want to hold your place here in Matthew 11, if you would flip back with me to the book of Isaiah and the 55th chapter. Isaiah chapter 55, it's about midway through the Bible, if you hold it open. Isaiah is a long book. The Bible says here, prophetically speaking, to come in Isaiah chapter number 55. I'll take time for you to get there. We're talking about the people that the message was given to to come. He He calls to all people. He calls to anyone. He calls to rich or poor, black and white, whatever nation you were born in. No matter where you come from, the requirement and the call is to come. Come unto Christ. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters... And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. The Bible says further in this passage of Scripture, to in verse number 6, to seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon Might I call your attention back to verse number 1, where it said to come to the waters. The invitation was to the thirsty soul to come. Has your soul ever been thirsty as a dry and a thirsty land? And you said, hey, I'm coming to the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 11, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. Have you ever used those words to comfort someone? Has someone ever confessed something to you that had broken their heart? And you just said, come here. Come here. And then had someone wrap their arms around you. You know, sometimes that's all that's necessary to get comfort is to call someone to come here. And your words and your actions can say everything will be okay. Has the Lord ever come to your heart and told you that everything's going to be okay in spite of the fact that you're a sinner, that you may be heavy laden with sin, or maybe that you have done great things against the Lord Jesus Christ? The Lord says to come here, come unto me. The command is to come. This word is spoken in the, in the present tense in this passage in the Bible. You know, come. It doesn't mean come tomorrow or come next year, but come at once, come immediately. You know, when you sense that the Lord's working in your heart, or that you're weary, that you're heavy laden, the Lord bids you to come, come to Him. He doesn't say you have to wait to come to me. He doesn't say that you have to clean up your life first. He just says, come unto me. You know, come unto Christ. Have you ever come to the Lord Jesus Christ? What a wonderful comment to come. But he speaks here in verse 28, he says, All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And then he goes on to say, I will give thee rest. He's telling people to come. This is his plea to people, to come unto me. The people who he's talking to are people who are heavy laden. The people who he's talking to are people who labor. It's pretty interesting how in verse number 28 he says, I will give you rest. Have you ever been given rest by the Lord Jesus Christ? Some of you are yet in your sins. 
See, you're yet in your sins if you've never come to the Lord Jesus Christ by way of faith and forgiveness, trusting in the finished work of Calvary to save you. You've never known this rest. I remember talking to a man who was a part of a religion who did not teach eternal security. I was asked about this this week as we were out on visitation. He said, what do you believe about salvation? Do you believe that you can get saved and then lose your salvation? Have you ever thought about that? I told him there's two things I believe. I believe once saved, always saved. I also believe if saved, always saved. There was about five years of my life that I wasn't saved and I had no security. And I didn't have peace and I certainly didn't have rest. I can tell you this, that if you truly get born again, you truly get saved, you don't have to get born again and born again and born again. That's not what the Scripture teaches. You know, uh, as, as I've spoken before, we have five natural-born children. When our children were born, they got one birth certificate. They didn't need two. They didn't need three. We might have had to send back for it again. But they only had one birth certificate. You only get born again once, just the same way you were physically born. So if you get born again, you don't need to do that again and again. You know, my children became my children because they were my children. Pretty simple, Pastor. (laughs) They're my kids. No sin that they committed took them away from my family. My children are my children in spite of the fact that sometimes they've let me down. Or they haven't, or they brought shame to the name. I've never disowned my kids. If God brings you into his family, and the Bible says this, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You become a son of God when you believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe on Christ and receive him as your Lord and Savior, you become his child. He doesn't open the door the next time you think a dirty thought and say, you're no longer my child. That's not the way God works. You don't become a part of his family and then get booted out when you make a mistake or when you sin. Did any of you deal with your children like that? A five-year-old child, you let me down, son, that's it for you, out you go. You think God deals with you the same way? Does God deal with his children by taking their salvation away when they commit sin? Absolutely not. The Bible speaks of those who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as adopted children. You know, in the Jewish economy, once someone chose to adopt someone else, they couldn't unadopt them. It was against the law to say, you're no longer, no, you chose, you made that choice, and this is the same thing that God does. He chooses to save those who believe upon Him, and He never puts them out the door. The Lord doesn't take your salvation from you. And I met a man who was going to a church, and He said he was tormented by thoughts of dying and going to hell because it seemed like he would lose his salvation every day because he just couldn't stop thinking something or some thought would go through his mind that he knew was sinful and he thought, I'm lost again. It's all because of the torment of believing in works for salvation. You can't work yourself to heaven. I can tell you what will get you to heaven. His name is Jesus. And he says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. Have you ever received that rest for your soul by way of salvation? 
Have you ever come to the Lord and, oh, I'm so heavy laden with my sin, and you've ever had your sins forgiven from the Lord? If you have, you'll remember when it happened. Because He says, I'll give you rest. But if you haven't, why don't you allow the Lord to give you rest today? Some people need to rest in the finished work of Calvary. And they need the Lord to speak rest to their souls. Rest. I remember for years of my life trying to war and fight inside my mind about these issues of salvation. And finally, when it became clear to me that Jesus Christ died for my sins, and He didn't want me to be lost anymore, you know what I was weary of? I was weary of myself. Come unto me, in verse number 28, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible speaks here of somebody who is heavy laden, somebody who has labored, and someone who no doubt is weary. Those people who are weary, you, you know, have you, has anybody ever gotten saved who wasn't weary of themselves? You know, in order to get saved, you have to reject yourself. And you have to put on Christ. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do that, there's a rest that's given to your soul. There's a spiritual rest. Aren't you thankful? That after the Lord saves you and you have that spiritual rest, that you know, that you know, that you know that you're saved. If you would take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 John chapter number 5. In 1 John chapter number 5, it tells us of a surety that you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Sometimes we ask people the question, if you were to die right now, would you know for 100% certain that you're going to heaven when you die? Many people will say, well, I hope so. I hope I've done enough, which again sheds light on their spiritual persuasions that they believe salvation rests in what they do. But I want to encourage you today to look at things from the scriptural point of view. It's not in what you do that saves you. It's in what Christ did. You don't go to heaven based on what you do. You go to heaven based on what he did. 1 John chapter number 5 and verse 11 says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Notice the wording in verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I call your attention to the words, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. The Bible says you can know for sure that you are saved. You can know for sure that you have eternal life. It's not a hope-so salvation in Jesus Christ. It's a no-so salvation in Jesus Christ. When you come to the Lord and you come to Him in repentance and faith, when you turn to Christ in the manner of salvation and receive Him as Lord, you will know for sure that you are saved. Sometimes a feeling is accompanied to it. I know in my life I felt very light. I felt like the Lord had lifted that burden of sin. It was a spiritual matter for me. It wasn't a physical burden that I carried. I've borne many physical burdens in my life. I can't bear certain burdens anymore the way that I used to. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I'm getting used to my body getting older and not as strong as I used to be. 
I can't carry everything anymore. But I can tell you this, spiritually speaking, I was carrying this heavy laden. The sins were building up. I've met men who committed great sins. Men who did things in secret and it was following them throughout their life. And as far as they tried to get away from their moments of adulterous behavior, fornication behavior, you know, the secrets of men's hearts, the things that they wouldn't want anybody else to know about, the, the guilt and the shame of sin continues seemingly to plague them because they've never come to Calvary with their sins. I'm here to tell you that if you're thirsty for forgiveness, the Lord's ready to give you a cup of forgiveness. If you have things in your past that you've never had resolved by the Lord Jesus Christ, He stands ready to forgive you if you'll come. Matthew 11 and verse 28 says, Come unto me. Do you have a no-so salvation? Are you sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord has taken care of you, that the Lord has taken care of your sin, that He's forgiven you? Romans chapter number 8 is another passage in the Bible that we take people who sometimes doubt their salvation. Romans chapter number 8, the Bible says these words in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 16. Speaking of knowing for sure that you're a child of God. Knowing for sure that you're saved. The Bible says in Romans 8.16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. Notice, not that we may be or hope to become, but that we are the children of God. When someone gets saved, they receive Christ and they receive the Holy Spirit. He's sent into our hearts as a down payment. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the earnest of our inheritance. That word earnest means down payment. Some of you still owe money on your house. If you still owe money on your house, you may call it your house, but it's not your house. The bank owns your house. Just stop making the payment and you'll find out. You may have put a down payment on that house. That was your promise to pay for the purchased possession. That's the same as the Holy Spirit is given to us as God's down payment. When that Spirit comes into our hearts, we know that we are a child of God and God seals us to the day of redemption. He has purchased us. And we know this for a fact when we get saved. When you call on the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get born again, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, He sends His Spirit into your heart. And the Bible says in verse 16 that the Spirit itself bears witness to our spirit, with our spirit, that we are the children of God. Now in Matthew chapter number 11, we didn't get through much of this today, but considering the people that, God was, that the Lord was speaking to in Matthew 11, He says this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can I ask you a question today, friend? Along with the verse in 1 John chapter number 5, 1 John 5 said, this is the record that God's given to us eternal life. This life is in His Son. It says, He that hath the Son hath life. Can I ask you a question? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ, that you have Him? Have you taken Him by faith as your Lord and Savior, by way of salvation? If you have, He's given you rest, and you know the rest of which I speak. But for those that have not received the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't know spiritual rest because you don't have the Son yet. You've never believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you during this invitation time to receive the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. You say, what do I need to do? Well, first of all, come. And when you come, you need to come believing. 
come believing that God doesn't turn away repentant sinners. There's never been someone who said, I need to be saved. I want to turn to the Lord that the Lord says, no, not you. I won't receive you. He says, come unto me. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? If you're lost, there's no time. You don't know what tomorrow holds. The Bible says not to boast of tomorrow. You don't know what a day might bring forth. If you know you're lost, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Make that decision today to come to the Lord. And there may be some other people here today, and you've come into the Lord's house, and you're weary. You're heavy laden. You're burdened about with the labors of this life. Why don't you let the Lord help you as He bears your burden? Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Maybe the Lord has spoken to your heart. There could be someone here today who is lost and you don't know the Lord. Jesus says, come unto me, either weary and heavy laden. Won't you come? In just a moment, the piano will begin to play. We'll have this verse of invitation. This is a time that our church separates for those who need to come to the altar and pray. There could be someone here today who needs to pray about a lost sinner, a family member, something you're taking to the Lord. Some of you are bearing about heavy burdens about your family. I want to invite you to come to Jesus today. He'll help you carry your burdens. The altar's a good place. Even Jesus said that my house should be called the house of prayer. If you know that you're lost today, I want to invite you to come. Everything's been made ready in order for you to be saved. Jesus has paid it all. He's paid for your sin, Dad. He shed his blood that you might be saved. As Brother John sings this first verse, I want to invite you to come.
being in the Lord's house today. Just lift your hand. Amen. Today we've had uh, Rachel Mooney. She's known to our church. Uh, she was saved and baptized in this church, but she's come today. Come on up, Miss Rachel. She gives testimony of being saved in 2015, and it was in and around this church that she trusted Christ and that she was baptized by immersion. And uh, she's not a member of the church at present, and, and she's come to rededicate her life and to join the church again. Uh, by her statement of faith and baptism. How many of you are thankful for that? I know that this is a dear person and that she, uh, she's been prayed for by a lot of people. And uh, you continue to pray for her. You know, she's going to nursing school. Our church has another nurse that's coming along and we need some more nursing capabilities here. I'm so thankful that Rachel's come to, to join the church. Aren't you? Uh, can I hear a motion and second to receive her into the membership? Brother Earl and Brother Chester, uh, everybody else by the raise of hand and the shouting of amen. 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 Any opposed? And I see none. Well, the Lord's been good today in the Lord's, in the Lord's house. He's been speaking to hearts. I, after the service is over, we're going to pray and be dismissed. And uh, Miss is going to play a song on the panel. And reach right hand of fellowship down to Rachel. Amen. And uh, we have services tonight. I believe Miss Leisha Perry is sick and that's going to have an effect upon uh, Bible study or, or excuse me, the ladies ensemble, correct? So we're canceling ladies ensemble. All right. Are we canceling ladies ensemble? Yes. Yes. All right. Miss Provy called that. Um, <laughs> There is a nursery meeting down here for those that want to be involved in the nursery ministry. Uh, make sure you come for that. Brother John, 445 choir practice. 445 choir practice. And we have Sunday evening services tonight 
at 6 o'clock as we continue journeying through the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, So please be back tonight at 6 o'clock if you can be. I'm going to call on Brother Arnold Stowe uh, to dismiss the service in prayer, please.